Welcome, everybody. This is the Grace Life Fellowship Podcast. On this week's edition of Conversation to Grace, Jesse sits down with Pastor Frank to talk about suffering. We hope you enjoy it. Here's Jesse. Welcome, everybody. This is Jesse, and I'm here tonight with our teaching pastor, Frank Friedman. How you doing, Frank? Good. How are you, my friend? Good. It's good, good to good. have you back. Uh, tonight, we want to touch on the topic of suffering. And that's a difficult one to to kind of bring about. And um, But I think we could go deep in it and maybe kind of share some of our experiences with maybe other people suffering or are suffering or, or something and, and bring something to the table. But um, as I was reading some stuff this week, I came across some, some good words and some bad words as well, hmm. some things we can talk about. Um, you know, our reality and suffering is a constant reminder that we have not reached the new heavens, the new earth, you know, that we're still here on planet earth. We're still in a sin-cursed world. Um, that the new Jerusalem's not here. There's no, there's still pain. There's still tears. There's still mourning and death. Um, we're still experiencing all those things. Uh, but just because we experience suffering as we await the redemption of our bodies, it, it doesn't mean that our suffering is random or without purpose. And neither does it mean that scripture doesn't tell us how to think or feel about our suffering. What's your thoughts? <laughs> There's no, no question. That's my, what, what are your thoughts? Oh, man. Well, you're, you're right. I think that's one of the things we, we fail to focus on in the church a lot of times is that I say a lot, we were made for the Garden of Eden, mm -hmm. and this isn't it. Right. So there's going to be things that happen to us that we were never designed to have happen to us. And so there's no manual on what to do when those things yeah. happen. And so we can be really left in a state of confusion, frustration, uh, loss that we uh, can't scramble out of uh, without the truth of Father's Word and the guiding of the Holy Spirit to help us through those times. I would think of the psalmist, member David in Psalm 23, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. He doesn't go into that valley never to come out. That's one of the things. A lot of people read that psalm at funerals. That's okay to do. It's not a funeral psalm. It's a psalm for the living. It's a psalm for right now. Yeah. And so there's times we're going to go into that valley and it's going to feel like death when you have that loss and hurt and sorrow. But we go through that valley and we come out the other side with God. Um, one of the things I like to point out at that psalm, Jesse, is you can't have a shadow unless there's a light shining somewhere. Hmm. And I think the light that gives us that hope is the presence of God in our lives and the truth of his word. Um, lamentations. Remember when Jerusalem was destroyed and Jeremiah was there in the rubble and he fixed his eyes on all of that destruction. And he said, I had no hope, no joy, no peace. And he says a very key thought, remembering my affliction 
remembering my affliction. He says it twice. So where was his mind? His mind was on what he could see. But then he says, but this I thought, this I brought to my mind, the mercies of God. They're new every morning. And now I had hope. So whatever we're going through, I think it's really important what you said. There has to be purpose. There has to be purpose. Yes. Yeah. Um, God is going to use that in our lives if we cooperate with him. Yeah. And one of the things I try to tell people is don't fight against what happened because you can't change it. Receive it and then bring it to the Holy Spirit and say, okay, Lord, what are we going to do from this point forward? Yeah. And, and that's a very important thing to do. Yeah, I mean, so if suffering, we know that suffering has a purpose, um, but we know that God, uh, what, what would you say to someone who's who's struggling with the idea of God causing evil? Because mm -hmm. if we're saying that there is a purpose and mm -hmm. that God is in control, mm -hmm. there's there may be some confusion there. I know mm -hmm. I've dealt with it, mm -hmm. you know, um, just trying to figure out, okay, so if God is in control and it feels like everything around me is out of control, then God must be in control of the evil. Hmm. And how do we, how do we differenti differentiate between, between what is God's, mm -hmm. you know, I don't want to say God's will, but what's mm -hmm. God's purpose for mm -hmm. suffering and then what's causing the suffering? Mm -hmm. That's a really deep yeah. question, well, Jesse. <laughs> um, it's the question that volumes and volumes and volumes oh, of yeah. books have been written on. Um, if we can put it succinctly, maybe put it in a nutshell, um, we know that God doesn't cause evil. Right. Uh, we know from Psalm 119 that God is good and does only good. So those are our uh, starting points. But we have to add to that that he has chosen to allow man to have a free will. And one of the things he will never do is violate that will. He might work to shape your will, but he will never violate your will. You are that free moral agent. And of course, Adam made a choice, which he was given the freedom to do. It was the wrong choice, plunged the whole world under a curse and sin. So now we have a fallen world with lost people and saved people who don't always act like it right. <laughs> with free will. And so there's choices that man makes. And so there's a lot of hurt and devastation. One of the things that I would point to, I point people to all the time, Jesse, is the book of Job. I think Job is, is one of the real keys behind, mm -hmm. i.e., this purpose that we're talking about. Growing up in California, one of the advantages of being out there is there's a lot of mega churches and a lot of mega teachers. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I have is I have a Bible that um, my wife had, I stole it from her, and uh, she would write and I would write in there. We write in our Bible when we hear things. I think you know, a lot of people take notes and that's fine to take notes. I always think it's best to write in your Bible because then you always have it. How dare you write in your Bible? <laughs> <laughs> that's going to create a problem in my life. Um, but in the book of Job, there are several things that she or I have written that we've heard from teachers. Mm -hmm. One of them said, the purpose of Job is to show Satan is a liar at Job's expense. Hmm. But doesn't that just comfort your socks off? Um, right. <laughs> another one said, uh, Job, the earthly pawn of heavenly warfare. So Job kind of got stuck in the middle. Uh, another one 
that was written in there in my Bible is why do the righteous suffer? That's probably the most correct of all of them. But even that doesn't satisfy me. I think that the purpose of Job is in the book of Job. And if you think about it, he loses 10 kids in one shot. And how do you ever recover from the death of one child, let alone 10? He loses his house, loses his wealth, loses his reputation, loses his friends, um, loses his his health. He also, in a real way, loses his marriage. You know, they're married, they don't get a divorce, but they're not a team, right. you know. And at the end of the book, Job finally cries out to God. God answers him, not the way he wanted to hear, oh. but he answered him with, who God is and who Job is. And at the end of the book, there's this little phrase that you'd almost miss if the Holy Spirit didn't make it leap off the page. This is what it says. Job at the end of all this journey says, I used to say, I knew you, God, but now my eyes really see. Hmm. That's huge. I think the purpose of Job was that Job could find God in a way he never knew him and have God in a way he never knew him. And part of that was going to be accomplished by God having all of Job. And so I think that was the purpose. It wasn't so much to live an ethereal float life through the world, but to find God. Um, And that's really what it's all about. You know, I, I think of Paul. Remember what he said mm. in Philippians? This is my one thing. Yeah, I want to know him. But what did he add? And the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. Um, I had a conversation today with somebody. I was talking to long distance counseling situation. And they said, I'm really having a struggle with that fellowship of the sufferings. Yeah, I have an issue with that. Because yeah. I, <laughs> I, I, and I think I've heard it growing up mm-hmm. um, in church. I've heard mm-hmm. it. In in sermons and mm-hmm. homilies and things like that, just that we suffer, we need to, we have to learn. It's kind of like learning to carry your cross or mm-hmm. bear your cross or suffer for mm-hmm. or with Jesus, mm-hmm. and it's kind of uh, it's counterintuitive to the gospel because yeah. the gospel is that Jesus suffered so that we wouldn't have to mm-hmm. in our place. You know, mm-hmm. someone sent me, someone in my family sent me something the other day, and it. It was a, an article, and I read through it, and, and most of it was really good. But at the very end, it said something towards mm. learning to suffer alongside mm. him. Mm. And I'm thinking, in order for me to suffer alongside him, then that would mean that I'd be gaining something by suffering. Because mm-hmm. otherwise, why would I suffer? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So then there's got to be like this treasure that I'm suffering for. Mm-hmm. And if I don't have... I mean, the scriptures plain says i have all of him i have everything i need for righteousness holiness and perfection i'm heaven ready i'm a child of god a citizen of heaven i'm all these things but yet i need to suffer with Mm -hmm. him for what i didn't and i don't get that now Mm -hmm. yeah i don't think that's really the issue i think what it's saying is that we the world hates christ and what they couldn't fill up against him they're going to try to fill up against us that's all yeah it's it's persecution that's all it's saying But what I pointed out this person was, I don't have a struggle with the fellowship of his sufferings. I said, the other part, that's where your struggle. They said, what do you mean? I said, do you want to know the power of the resurrection? 
can't experience the resurrection without a death. Yeah. And they went, oh. And at that point, I took them to what is my favorite passage in the New Testament. It's 2 Corinthians 4. It says, we have this treasure in earthen vessels, so Christ living in us, mm -hmm. so that we can be persecuted but never forsaken, knocked down but never knocked out. Why? And then he goes on to say this, death comes at us every day. So we have a fallen world that's bringing death to us, outside in. Loss of dreams, loss of hope, loss of people, loss, 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 loss. It comes at us, outside in. But Paul then says, in order that, purpose clause, God allows that death to come at us so that the power of the resurrection might be made manifest. Hmm. So the way I like to say it is, in this fallen world, yes, we get suffering. Death comes outside in, but that's only for the purpose of the resurrection power inside to flow inside out and overwhelm that death experience with the power yeah, that, of the resurrection. That's, that's kind of like Job in a sense that, you know, there's, there's two ways that we can respond to suffering. Mm -hmm. And you see it in Job, you know, his... His friends ask him, say, mm -hmm. why don't you just curse God and die, mm -hmm. you know? And, but Job turns to praise the Lord instead. Mm -hmm. So we can curse God for the suffering or we can praise God mm -hmm. in the suffering. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of like what you're saying is, yeah. it's, it's going to cause you to, you know, have, you have that resurrection life inside of you. It's going to cause that to come out. Right and turn to praise rather than cursing. And in that same passage in 2 Corinthians 4, then he goes on to say, when that happens, the unbelieving world is forced to praise God. It's almost like they look at us and they go, okay, so I'm suffering. I'm seeing you suffer too. And you're a Christian. But you've got something I don't have. Yeah. How are you getting through this the way you are. Yeah. And they have to admit there's something going on that's supernatural inside of us. And, you know, yeah. it's really funny, but that's exactly what Paul said earlier in 2 Corinthians 1. This is fascinating. Most people don't ever teach on this in church because the great apostle Paul, champion of grace, said, I am despairing of life. Mm. You ever hear, hear that? Yeah. Paul says, I want to die. Yeah, that's... It's so much trouble coming on me. He uses the word affliction. But then he says this, but then I called into my mind, God raises the dead. And victory was his. Wow. So it's really, like we talked about earlier, like Jeremiah did, the suffering is real, the heartache, the loss, the sorrow, but what we do with it is the key. Uh, you know, it's a, a, that brings to mind a story recently me and my wife bought a new house and moved mm -hmm. and it was during the Christmas holidays and it was a nightmare. Mm -hmm. uh, we ended up moving Christmas Eve, Christmas day. We had Christmas with our kids on a, in an empty house on mm -hmm. hardwood floors with a tiny tree, a Charlie Brown tree. Mm -hmm. uh, it was great uh, as always. Cause uh, you know, <clears throat> it's all about being with family. It's not really about, you know, all that other stuff. But uh, when we went to go sign the papers uh, to, we'd already moved out of our house we were going to sell our house and buy the other house and it was we had to do it all on the same day. Well, the whole deal fell through. So I'd mm. already moved into this other house and now I'm in the house, but mm. I don't own the house. Wow. And I don't have anywhere to go and I got to stay in a house that I don't own and it's just a nightmare, right? Mm. And so this lawyer at the title company is explaining this to me. 
And you can tell he's slowly explaining it to me because he's ready for me to explode. Right. And he told me, and he said, he looked at me and he said, you know, you must have the spirit of the Lord in you. Wow. Yeah. I did not expect it. And I said, yeah, why? And he was like, because if I were you, I'd be tearing the paint off the walls. Wow. Like, and I don't understand how you're so calm. And the funny thing was, is I didn't understand how I was so calm either. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I think it was, it was, I was so, I was just kind of like at a point where I was like, you know what? There's nothing else I can do. And if this was what, if this is what God wants me to go through at this moment, right at Christmas time, mm-hmm. then so be it. Yeah. And so it, can it I was speak good to though. that. Can I speak yeah. exactly what you just said? Yeah. Jesse, what you've done in that circumstance is exactly what I tell people that come to me when they're suffering. I tell them, if you will cooperate with God and receive God for all that he is to all that you need as you walk this valley of death, you are on your way to becoming a dangerous entity <laughs> in the well, kingdom of I, God. Yeah, and just a mm-hmm. disclaimer, I don't always respond no, that way. No, of course not. But, <laughs> but there's that key. Um, we can then function as a human being that has, I like to say, two feet on planet Earth. We fully experience everything the world has to offer, but also with two feet in the kingdom of God. And so we weep just like the world weeps, but there's triumph in our tears. And other people, just like that guy, saw it in you, will see it in others who will do that, who will receive the Holy Spirit for all that he is and the truth of his word. And you become a dangerous man or woman because we're real, we're honest, there's no facade, we don't have a silly Sunday smile. Mm-hmm. You know, we acknowledge the reality of pain, but there's power in our pain yeah. that comes from inside. It's amazing. Yeah. And the Apostle Paul wrote in Second Corinthians, he said, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, mm-hmm. perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. And if the Apostle Paul can say that in everything mm-hmm. that he went through, I think that we can sit here in victory and say that we have that very same power. Exactly. And that is exactly what Ephesians 1 was all about when Paul said, what we may know the power that raised Jesus from the dead is inside yeah. of us. And that passage you just quoted in verse 16, Paul's final thought on that is, therefore... We don't quit. Yeah. We don't quit. One old wise saint once said, it's always too soon to quit when you know God. <laughs> mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, it's a That's good cool. word. I spent a lot of time in Second Corinthians. It's a great book. It's a great book. And that book, I would say this, Jesse, he tells us what that book's about. I think the other epistles, we get Paul's mind. Romans, his mind, Ephesians, his mind, Colossians, his mind. But in 2 Corinthians, he said, I'm going to open my heart to you. Hmm. So I think that's why that book is so special. He's saying, let me give you my heart. It's funny because, you know, 1 Corinthians, almost like a, Mm. he's he's slamming down the hammer. (laughs) He's disciplining. But 2 Corinthians, he comes in and he's gentle and he, he responds and he almost apologizes for his first letter. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he, I love, he says, uh, in 2 Corinthians 4, he says, the light and momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all com- comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. 
for the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. And those are mm. the things that we have to look forward to. Amazing. Yeah. I want to, if I could give one final thought before you wind this down. Mm. The one thing I always want to say to people who are suffering, it's not the end of the story. Yeah. God is still writing the story. You know, we have our own story with Avery and lots of affliction with that very special girl. When I wrote her story up and we wrote the book, I end the book this way. We don't know what tomorrow holds, but we know who holds tomorrow. Hmm. And the one who holds tomorrow is also holding us. And because that's true, we will dance again. Hmm. And we have. That's we amazing. have danced. Amen. Well, thanks, Frank. Yeah. It's been great. It's a privilege. Thank you. Right. All right. That does it for today's conversation. We hope you enjoyed it. Jesse will be back again next week for another edition of Conversations in Grace with Pastor Tim. We hope to see you back then. Thanks for listening. See you next week.